this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader teaches us the value of trade-offs and how his experiences have allowed him to thrive and embrace new opportunities. His opportunities have shown him how important it is to add value to others, and now his personal goals are about leaving a legacy. Craig Wells is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 12, starts now. Welcome to the program, Craig. It's great to be here. Oh my gosh, this is so great. You're actually live in the studio instead of all these phone calls, so this is really fun for us to kind of get to see each other as we're doing this interview. So everyone, Craig Wells is in the studio live today, and I want Craig to kind of take us through this journey. He has had a lot of success in his life, and as an everyday leader, What we're going to learn from Craig is the things that he's learned and the things that he's doing in the future to really contribute back to um, our own communities. So, Craig, you have accomplished a lot and in leadership positions. When did you know, kind of your role is the definition of leadership, when did you know or kind of focus in on wanting to be in a leadership role? You know, I think the first time that I remember... Um, wanting to take a leadership role was in high school. And um, it was probably, um, I think, well, my junior year, I ran for class treasurer. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was, I was a bit of a goofball. You know, I've, one thing in my life, I have uh, never been accused of being too serious. <laughs> um, and so my, my campaign that year was... Uh, a little bit of a stand-up. And in fact, I know that one of my high school classmates who was also running was very upset at me because I won because I was funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wanted it to be because I was serious about the role, which I was serious. But, um, and so the next year they changed the rules uh, so that uh, whatever your speech was mm-hmm. had to be approved <laughs> in oh, advance. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so uh, my speech was rather dull the next year, and I lost. <laughs> and uh, and so then I decided I was going to run for a fictitious office. And we made up a lot of posters and put them up in the cafeteria and just had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. But, but seriously, um, I think the um, first time I ever really thought about taking a leadership role was in high school. And then that... Uh, that just carried on with me through college and and then into my professional career. Mm-hmm. So when we think about maybe a movie, Napoleon Dynamite might be one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a little sidekick, uh, but, uh, oh, but yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So, so as you kind of became, you know, when you won, right, and you were now a leader, mm-hmm. um, a treasurer of, of the high school, so what did that feel like the first time that you experienced that? Uh when they announced the winner, mm-hmm. uh, it was incredibly satisfying. Yeah. Um, it also uh, made me instantly um, realize what have I gotten myself into, mm-hmm. and uh, and but I did take it very seriously, and I took the the office of the treasurer seriously. Um, I was very active in. Um, 
all of the the things that went on, went with that that office, mm-hmm. helping to plan for prom and uh, the the uh, the class float and the homecoming parade and all of that. And so you know, I I have never felt that you know I would ever want to run for something and then not take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So um, I was complete completely committed to the role. Um, and, but still had fun along the way. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Well, when you get exposure like that in high school, like that's kind of where you start to think about the rest of your life, Yeah. you know? And so it, it inspires you to think like, okay, well, what's next? What's possible? Right. And mm-hmm. so then you went to college. Where'd you go to school? Went to IU in yeah. Bloomington. IU. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so we can start singing all these. Yeah, that's uh that's Notre Dame, but, <laughs> but you know, we, um, so in, in Bloomington here in Indiana, for some of the listeners that aren't in uh, the Indianapolis or South Side Franklin area, um, IU is huge in our state, and it's all about basketball and football and and uh, and leadership, and they do so much in the community um, to give back. And so, what did you learn? What are the things that you focused on in college when you went to IU? Uh, well, it's interesting because I was planning on going to law school mm-hmm. originally, and I, I majored in political science uh, my first my first semester. And um, a, a good friend of, of my older brother, uh, uh, her father was the dean of the law school. And so I decided to pay him a visit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really uh, surprised when he asked me what I planned to do if I didn't go to law school. And I said, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I'm, of course, I'm going to go to law school. And he said, well, what would you do with a political science degree if you didn't go? Mm-hmm. Just, just Let's just be hypothetical. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know. And, uh, and then he said, do you realize that about 50% of our students are, are business school students? And, uh, and he said, what would you do with a business degree if you didn't go to law school? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I could do almost anything. And so that quickly made me help me decide to change my major. Wow. And um, it, uh, it cost me an extra semester, but it's, it was, a, I think, the best decision I could have made. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, man, that's a great leadership lesson because when you think about, you know, changing your major, right, you, you thought, I'm going to go on this path, and then someone has influenced you mm-hmm. and made you really step back and think, like, well, what would that look like in my life? I mean, you're in college. You don't know enough to make the right decision. So what what do you, I mean, really, what do you attribute that to is his, um, is kind of following your gut, just following your gut and saying, I, I think he's right. Because, you know, some kids would be like, yeah, but I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> so I'm going to stick to this. Well, and, and I, 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 I changed majors with the intention of going to law school. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out I did not go to law school. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, at the time, I had a lot of respect for him mm-hmm. because of who he was, mm-hmm. you know, because of his position. Um, he, I knew he knew far more students had seen far more students come through his office, mm-hmm. you know, than I, than I could ever know. Yeah. I knew he had a much wiser perspective than I could have had. So, you know, his, his advice carried a lot of weight and really made me think mm-hmm. uh, about, about where, you know, the direction I was going in. And mm-hmm. so that's how that it's so important just to hear you say that in, in mentoring, you know, having a mentor that's been there before you have to trust those people mm-hmm. to get advice from, right? There's a lot of people in life that say, 
yeah, well, I think this is going to be my gut or this is where I'm going to go and, and I'm just going to see how it works, right? And then yeah. if I have fear, then I'll just deal with it. But um, it's so important to hear your message of finding the right mentor, having the respect and having that relationship to trust yes. that person, to know that they have your best interest, right, at heart because mm-hmm. it's helped you, right? right. It's really Absolutely. helped you in your in your, um, in your your journey. So thank you for sharing that. That's, sure. That's really cool. So. So talk to me about, I know you've been really successful in your career. So post-college, now you have this business degree. And um, what did you do first when you got out of school? Like, mm-hmm. what was your first job after college? My very first job after college was with a bank, mm-hmm. uh, Fifth Third Bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in the bank associate program. So I was rotating through all the different areas of the bank. And it was a year-long program. Uh, it was supposed to be a year-long program. And once you had rotated through all the different areas, then you could decide which was the, um, the area that you really wanted to, to go into, and then you would go into that. Um, it was not long after I had started when they came to me and said, you know what, Craig, um, we have a real uh, strong need for people in retail. And so we really need to staff uh, the retail branches, so we're going to pull you out of the out of the bank associate program and put you in here for the time being. Mm -hmm. And at the time I didn't have, you know, I'm I'm right out of college, (laughs) 23, 24 Mm -hmm. years old. And, um, you know, who am I to say no to that? So, Mm -hmm. so that's what I did for, for, uh, for a while, uh, did not really enjoy retail banking. Um, and, uh, um, so I went into a different area of the bank, applied, there was an opening in, a, in another area of the bank in sales, and I applied for that and, and was, uh, was accepted. And uh, that really, um, while I, while I, that really helped me learn how to approach people. Mm-hmm. Um, it was dealing with, with uh, data processing sales, so help talking to merchants about their credit card processing. Mm-hmm. And it really, I mean, I was petrified the first time I walked into a business to talk to them about their credit card processing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're busy. They don't, they do not want to be talking to me. And it was learning how to quickly I uh, explain who I was and how I could help them. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a solution and, and your, your, your problem may not, you may not be feeling that, that problem, but if I can point this out to you and then also show you that I have a solution, then you're going to be better off and I'm going to be better off. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you, I really had to step outside of my comfort zone mm-hmm. to, to do that. And, um, uh, and I think it was only because I didn't care if I, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to have a hundred percent success rate, mm-hmm. you know, so it was just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll be, you'll be, and the easier it'll be to, to do that. And, you know, it's funny because I have, I've developed some wonderful relationships with business owners. Mm-hmm. My territory was I-70 all the way south wow. to the Ohio River. Wow. And, uh, and so I would drive down to Bloomington mm-hmm. and just start walking around calling on businesses. I'd drive down to Seymour. I'd drive to Columbus. I'd drive, you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I'd go, I mean, there are still some businesses that are out there. And this was 25 years ago. Yeah. Not that long, <laughs> but almost. 
you know, they're still in business and they still, you know, if I'll see them on the street, Hey, Craig, how's it going? You know, and they still remember me and we have a great, you know, we've had a great relationship for, for decades now. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was just a wonderful experience for me to learn how to get past my shell. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so fearful when you, you know, you're starting a job and you go, I don't think this is working, but I got to try something else. Right. And Mm -hmm. people get so afraid of that. And so just working through, you know, developing that customer relationship and realizing that you're adding value to those people. And, and so you're finding that solution and becoming that partner with them. Right. And so that really helped you get, you just took us through that, but it helped you get through Mm -hmm. that fear part. So it's doing those things. We talk about, you know, (laughs) motivation can, can kind of, get in your way and until you just do it. And then you're motivated because you want to keep that success rolling. So um, it's a great story. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Sure. Yeah. So um, so you're at the housing project. Tell me about what you're doing today, the role that you're doing. But actually, before we get there, you you lived in Indiana for a while and you guys had to had to move. Yeah. And you did that for a job. And, and I love to talk to people about trade-offs. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of get up to today's speed... Tell us, um, you know, what you were doing and then kind of that transition that took you away from everything that you were comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, for this was this goes back to the early 2000s um, when uh, when my wife I was in grad school mm-hmm. and um, my wife was a CPA. She traveled quite a bit. Um, and then all of a sudden, my second year um Actually, it was it was the end of my first year of grad school. Um, we found out we were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, not we, but she was <laughs> pregnant, uh, and it really um, it was a shock to me. I was excited, mm-hmm. but at the same time, scared to death. Um, big changes happening. Big changes, mm-hmm. and it wasn't supposed to happen until after yeah. I got out of grad school. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, the the. Um, I ended up getting a, an internship overseas. And so I was over in Germany working for Eli Lilly mm-hmm. uh, the summer that my wife was pregnant. So oh, I missed wow. a lot of her pregnancy. And then when I came back in the fall uh, for my second year of grad school, the um, anyway, my son was born in, in October. Mm-hmm. Well, when my son was born, my wife was not really interested in getting back to her old job of traveling all over the world mm-hmm. to doing audits. And, and so um, she had decided that, uh, um, she, well, she was always enamored with the idea of opening up a, a, specialty, a children's specialty store. And she was having breakfast or lunch one day with a, a friend of hers who had mentioned to her that she had always wanted to open up a children's bookstore. Oh, wow. So they really got to talking. Started and, collaborating. And five and... months later... They opened up uh, a, a toy store, and uh, and it started out in Franklin, Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, right on the courthouse square. It was called Imagination Station, mm-hmm. and um, and from that little store, it it grew and it grew, and and so we ended up having the stores for about ten years. Wow! And from the very beginning, uh, my wife would go to the um, the Nuremberg, the International Toy Fair in Nuremberg, Germany, to the uh, to to toy the toy fair in New York every year, and she developed really good relationships with all, all the manufacturers, mm-hmm. and they started seeking out her opinions and advice on packaging, distribution, price points, and mm-hmm. all of that. Wow! And so she found herself spending more time 
working with and, and doing consulting work for manufacturers than she did spending time in the store. Mm-hmm. And one client she had was a French toy company uh, that was headquartered in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, their, their North American headquarters, and uh, was doing work for them. And she said, you know what, you just need to hire me full time mm-hmm. to run this. <laughs> they were, they were um, hemorrhaging cash and, and needed a, a turnaround. And uh, so they said, all right, and she was, she was uh, um, commuting back and forth wow. and uh, ended up closing that office down there, uh, letting a lot of the staff go, moving their distribution center up to Maryland, wow. and, then, and then running the company out of our, out of our house in Franklin. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so uh, the, the business improved tremendously. The owner in France said, you know, I love what you're doing. You know, th- things are great. And he said, but, he said, when I come to the U.S., I want an office that's near the water where I can get a direct flight and where <laughs> oh, wow. it's warm. And, uh, and you're like, that's not Franklin, Indiana? And, <laughs> and I, I thought, why, you know, he's only over here two or three times, uh-huh. you know, so why not? But, you know, he's he owns the company, right. so he gets to make the decisions. Yeah. But he said, you know, I, I don't care where it is as long as those three criteria and uh, anyway, so we ended up moving. We ended up the the one real solution was Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. So um, so I decided that I would give up my job and that we would move down there for her, and that I could find something down there. Uh, and we thought this would be a great opportunity for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, growing up, I always loved the beach. Yeah. And I, I mean, I thought, who wouldn't? And, uh, and, how, and old were, how old were the kids? So then? my son was in seventh grade, going into seventh grade, and my daughter was going into fifth. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up moving. We actually moved in the middle of the school year, and we thought we actually thought that would be good mm-hmm. because our kids would be special. They'd be they'd stand out as being new, not not just one of a bunch of new kids, yeah. but the one new brand new kid. Yeah, midway through so the year. So might might yeah. make it easier for them to to uh, make some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I got down there, of course, I had never I, I'd been to Fort Lauderdale uh, and didn't know anything about it, about it. We had always grown up going to the Gulf side. Yeah. And it seems like everybody in the Midwest <laughs> just heads down 75 yeah. and goes to Sarasota or Sanibel or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the, you know, New York and the East Coasters, they're they the ones that, that go down to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Um, but once we got there, I fell in love with the city. Mm-hmm. It's just a wonderful city, wonderful, um, uh, culture mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of young professionals there. Um, and so anyway, when, once we got everybody there, from Europe wants to just fly in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, then, exactly. and they say, I want to go down to Southern, yep. Southern tip of Florida. Right. Yep. So yep. how cool. So I ended up finding what I would say was my dream job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a chief financial officer for an aviation company, uh, located at the Fort Lauderdale International Airport, and it was um, it was the most rewarding, uh, fun, challenging, and satisfying job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, every day you walk in, there was a new challenge. Every day you walked in, there was a new opportunity to meet somebody incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we did we flew a list celebrities all the time. So if you wouldn't have given up what you thought was kind of the perfect world in Indiana, right? Because you knew that you were comfortable with it. And your wife has this great opportunity. Like, that's a lot to give up 
to not know it was, what the future is going to be, right? That's right. And move your I mean, kids? we had lived in that house for 15 years, mm-hmm. and that was the life that I knew. Um, and it was, we didn't know what we were going to, mm-hmm. and we were, you know, I, I, it sounds corny, but I kind of felt like we we're like a pioneer, <laughs> you know, going to this strange land and, and, but we all, I also knew that w- what we were giving up, there was also new opportunities mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't grow and you can't, um, grasp new things if you're not, if you're too afraid to let go of the old right. and the comfortable. That's a great lesson because you guys just did that and you stayed down there. And now you, when I hear you talk about this new job, like this was the best job. You, you got to be involved in the airline industry that you had never really experienced before. And these, mm-hmm. these A-list customers, right. And just this whole like hospitality part of mm-hmm. an airline industry. So right. keep talking about that. I just wanted to yeah. stop real quick because yeah. I think it's so important for people to get like, that's just not something you say, oh, okay, I'm going to leave my family and friends and we're just going to go try this for six months. Like you have to be committed to that. That's right. And so just like when you won that election, right? That's <laughs> when right. you were in high school, you that's just right. got to go all in. Yep. So, all yep. right. So keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, I was, uh, I was there for a, a few years and, and, um, while, uh, while our, our kids, my daughter had adjusted to, to the move, um, my son didn't adjust quite so well. And so we started having some serious behavioral issues and, and, uh, there was some, there was some depression issues and Mm -hmm. we tried counseling and and other things. And, um, it just was not working and was getting worse. Mm -hmm. And so about that same time, uh, the company that my wife was running, uh, they sold that and, uh, to an American company, and so uh, she ended up leaving and uh, going to work with um, someone in the industry doing consulting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when that happened, she said, look, you know, I can work from anywhere. And, you know, it probably would be best if we moved back to Indiana mm-hmm. where we have a support structure where our family is and, um, and put the kids back into their old school and, and, uh, and it just was like a punch in the stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, here I found my dream job, the job I loved. I never had a Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, wow. It was, it was, um, just a, that's a statement. I've never, yeah. had, you know, you never have a Monday. You get up. That's right. Just every day is a great yeah. experience, right? Because you were creating something exciting and bringing in guests and this whole hospitality thing. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to, you want to have fun. That's right. You want to make your experiences fun and enjoyable. That's right. And so, um, so I told my wife, I will move back, but I'm not giving up my job. And she said, if you want to commute, (laughs) fine. So, so we moved back and, and I just thought, well, I can commute until the kids get out of school and then we'll move back down to Florida. And, um, but you know, after about eight, nine months of commuting back and forth, it got really old. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I was having lunch one day with a friend and just kind of, uh, explaining to him, you know, the, the trade-offs of, of of what I was doing, because I was really missing out on what my kids were doing. So you would like fly out maybe on Sunday? I'd fly, yeah, I'd fly out on whenever, whatever day. And Mm -hmm. I'd be down there for five to 10 days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not that long, five to seven, eight days. That's huge for people that travel all the time, right? You give up this, 
you give up all the security of just watching your family kind of grow and, and mm-hmm. being there for their sports and being there for just homework. Right. Right. The things that they really need you for. And, right. um, and that's huge because you loved that company and you were so connected yep. to it. But yep. so, but so I loved my kids more. You loved your kids more. And that's, um, you and know. I knew that, you know, I mean, they're not going to be there forever. So, you know, I needed to be back home and spending more time with them while they still were at home. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, I was talking to a friend and letting him know that. And, mm-hmm. and he was, uh, also had a friend who, who, uh, was running, a, um, a, the Indiana housing and community development authority. And, uh, so out of the blue, I got a phone call and said, you know, and he said, you know, our CFO left and, you know, my friend was telling me about your situation you know, would you be interested in coming in and talking to us about, about, you know, what we could offer or maybe what you could offer? And to be honest, I was not excited about going to work for the government. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, um, I just, I just had a, a, a certain image in my mind of of what a state government worker was. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so I said, Oh, thank you. But, but no, thanks. I'm, I'm not really interested. And, and, uh, and I hadn't really even started putting out other feelers at all, but this guy was pretty persistent and, you know, would, would, uh, follow up every few days or weeks. And, um, you know, they invited me and it's just, just come see the office, just come, you know, meet some of the folks that, that work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, all right, I'll do that. So I went in, met, met a lot of the people mm-hmm. and, uh, we talked a little bit more about the role and, and how, different this agency was from your typical state agency, Mm -hmm. that it was a quasi agency. So it raised its own money. It was not part of the state budget, didn't take any taxpayer dollars Mm -hmm. in. And, um, so it kind of changed your perception. It changed my perception. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, um, so I thought, uh, and you know, my, my career goal was ultimately to be a CFO at a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought, well, you know, this is a way that would kind of bridge that gap. It's, um, it's not a publicly traded company, obviously, but because we issue a lot of municipal bonds, I deal a lot with investors, mm-hmm. with uh, rating agencies. There's a lot of regulatory filings. And so I thought this would be this would be a great uh, experience to add to my resume that would move me closer to my career goal. Absolutely, and and so again, you're making some trade offs, right? Because right. you really your life has seemed like it's always been about these trade offs to kind of move up. So when I teach leadership lessons, it's always what are you going to give up mm-hmm. to go further? Yeah. And it's really scary. And so many people have not even done that once. And so to listen to you as a leader yeah. of, you know, our community is, it's okay. Like, it, it's okay. You can always go back, mm-hmm. right? That's but right. you just keep moving forward, just inching one step at a time. And and this design in your mind of, I have it in, in sight. The next thing that I want to do is this so that I can give more impact. But you have built kind of your experience on the things that you know that are going to build onto, right? right? Add value to Craig so that you can add value to us and the community more. So I applaud you for that. That's a great, it's a great story so far. And I know you're not finished. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but now that you're doing that, like what, um, you know, if you think about, and I haven't prepared you for this, so mm-hmm. this is kind of off the cuff, but if you, um, you know, have you brought any of the things that you learned from 
the airline industry back into the housing and development, like that little spark of hospitality and fun? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I bring fun <laughs> I wherever <know>. I go. <laughs> uh, and uh, to the chagrin of some people. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, there were things that I, that I brought to, you know, and you pick up things wherever you are. Mm-hmm. There are things that you learn and, and pick up and, and you can apply uh, into your life. Uh, as far as um, I can't think of anything specific um, other than, you know, no matter where you are, you know, you need... If, if what you're doing is not fun and enjoyable, you know, if you can't have fun with the people around you, maybe you should be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I always tried to um, um, bring some fun. And um, especially with um, not just the people I worked with in the office every day, but we, the housing, the state housing authorities, uh, it's a very... Um, close-knit bunch nationwide. I mean, there's only 50 CFOs for HFA, state FHAs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we would get together, um, you know, you really get to get to know other people. And, and so we were out in Denver and I decided to organize a karaoke event. (laughs) And um, I found a place and just started promoting it. And, you know, we're all going to, we're going to meet here at 10 o'clock and, and, uh, um, and this place, they would normally have maybe five or six people show up. And here we had like 45 people just show up unannounced oh and it, it made, obviously made their night. They were like, oh my God, we've never had this many people <laughs> and, uh, uh, but had a blast yeah. and, and people at the other state HFAs were talking to my boss and, and, and others about, oh my gosh, she's so much fun. You know, where have you been? You know, this is never. And so, you know, it just, I was happy that I was able to, um, bring a little bit of, of levity to the, uh, to the situation and, and what could have otherwise been a pretty mundane conference, um, you know, just add a little bit of life to it. Well, it's about getting people to relax, you know, and it's not just, it's kind of like, how do you tap in and connect to people so that they can relax and enjoy? You yeah. get so much more done right. if you can just kind of break through. And so you're so much fun. That's legacy I hear from everybody in the family. You know, Craig Wells, he's the jokester. But you're so serious about being, you know, you're intentional. Right. That's the thing. You're in right. so intentional about, as a leader, you want to look into it and say, well, how can we get something accomplished from this, right? So mm-hmm. it's taking people through that journey to be able to say, okay, now playtime's over. Now let's get going. That's right. <laughs> but um, so thank you for sharing that. That's pretty cool. So I want you to tell our listeners that don't know what your plans are next. Yeah. So uh, the the next adventure for me is uh, I've decided to run for the Indiana University Board of Trustees. And uh, so there are there are nine trustees on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, six of those are appointed by the governor. And three are elected by alumni. And each of the alumni seats, it's a three-year seat, and they're each staggered. So every year, one of those seats is up for re-election. Wow. So last year was the first year I ran. Um, I came in second. And um, uh, anyway, so then I decided I'm going to run again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they told me last year when I ran, you're not going to win. <laughs> it's it's incumbent. Once you're an incumbent, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it's very tough. difficult to unseat an incumbent. And um, they said, but 
if you plan on, you know, if you run again, you're, you're, you get bigger name recognition, people, more people will know who you are. Mm -hmm. So I knew even last year that I had a really, it was a really long shot. Um, still, I did everything I could to win, mm -hmm. but uh, came in second and, and then had every intention of uh, running again this year. Mm -hmm. And so now I am, I'm officially on the ballot. That's so cool. So this will be one of three seats then for the elected and then you'll you would be in office for three years yes yeah so um so what can people do to help you well uh a couple of things uh number one if you are a graduate of indiana university um any campus with any degree um to make sure that your your alumni profile is up to date mm -hmm. and then to vote uh the voting is the month of june it's june 1st through the 30th and um, uh, it's so easy. You can vote online. Um, you can request a paper ballot if you want to do a paper ballot. Um, and uh, um, so just vote. I mean, we have over 650,000 living alumni. And last year, only 10,000 people voted. Wow. Just an incredibly small. So every person that makes the choice to vote, mm -hmm. they have an incredibly powerful voice in who becomes their representative on the board. Wow. That's incredible. So, so kind of a little campaign kick here. So what do you want to do after you get on the board? <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> well, you know, I think, um, I will say that Indiana university has been well represented by the trustees mm -hmm. that the current trustees and, uh, uh, the the incumbent that I'm running against uh, has been a, a wonderful uh, board member. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've been well served by him. What I will say, though, is, um, uh, you know, he's been on the board for 12 years mm -hmm. looking for a, a fifth term. Um, and, you know, there is on the board, there's a tendency for people to have incredibly long terms mm -hmm. and tenures. Mm -hmm. And uh, that can make for some stagnant uh, uh, thinking, mm -hmm. um, not that, not that, uh, uh, I think the, the board is stagnant, uh, any, by any means, but the, the, the possibility yeah. exists. Yeah. And I think it's good to have fresh perspectives mm -hmm. continually coming onto the board. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, um, that's not why I'm running, but I think that's uh, going to be a benefit. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you had asked what I want to do. So one of those is to bring a fresh perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, I, um, I really want to make sure that Indiana University continues its excellence in, um, um, in academics, mm -hmm. um, that we maintain our uh, renown around the globe mm -hmm. for, for academic excellence, and retaining the best talent. Um, you know, if you look back at the periods of time when Indiana really transformed, um, you know, the, the last time was when Herman B. Wells mm -hmm. uh, was there. Uh, well, that was one that was certainly a, a very transformative time. And it's because he went around the globe and, and found the best people and the best talent and, and brought them back to Indiana University mm -hmm. at a time when a little Midwestern college, not college, but a little small Midwestern university, they, that wasn't typically the way things were done. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we became known around the world for our music school. 
the Kinsey Institute, the business school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so many different uh, areas uh, of, uh, of, of academics became internationally uh, renowned mm-hmm. uh, because of um, the, the philosophy that, that Dr. Wells had. Mm-hmm. The, um, and then uh, with, with President John Ryan was another period of transformative growth and really brought IU into the, uh, uh, the modern age. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you know, now we have a, 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 a very strong regional uh, network. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the, the Bloomington and the Indianapolis campus, where the, which are the two core campuses. But then we also have six regional campuses that really serve students all over the state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, if you, not everyone can afford to, to go to Bloomington and do four years in, at, at Bloomington, you know, but they can't afford an IU degree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they, when they graduate, their diploma says Indiana University. Right. And, um, so that's one of the things that uh, that I hope to do is m- just make sure that uh, Indiana continues its long tradition of academic excellence. Um, you know, college has gotten way more expensive mm-hmm. uh, uh, even since I've been in school, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I really want to make sure that the administration is vigorously pursuing affordability in education and and um, taking advantage of new ways to deliver material and education, uh, to the people of Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, um, so those are some of the things that I, that I would like to do once I'm on the board, but, uh, um, that's, uh, you know, certainly carrying the torch and continuing to carry the torch. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty incredible story. And, um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on this podcast. I feel so honored to have you here and, and listen to your journey. And, um, you know, as I want to say just to the listeners is, my final teaching lesson is this whole law of contribution. And once you have grown yourself, you can grow others and expand communities. So I just you know, have a little plug for you, Craig Wells, for IU Board of Trustees. Um, everybody needs to go out there and vote for Craig because if you want to have make a difference, have fun doing it, and really see things change in the world, you know, it's, it's about you being the change that you want to see. So... I think that can really happen if, if we vote for Craig and we get him in there. So, <laughs> Well, if anybody wants information, my website's wellsforiutrustee.com. Awesome. All right. Well, we will put that in the show notes. So when this goes to Podbean, the app, and then iTunes, and then uh, Android, Google Play Store, it'll all be listed on there for you. And uh, we will make sure to keep promoting this. And, uh, and you will also come to my leadership conference next March. And uh, and you can hear hopefully from, as an IU board of trustee as an IU board of trustee hopefully <laughs> so let's get him in there because uh, we want to learn more from you because you've got a lot to share and and really help people that are struggling with how to be leaders in their life to just take those principles that you've taught us here and to to know that they can apply those uh, and they can also achieve a life of success. So congratulations to you. Oh, thanks and thanks for having me on the show. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. Absolutely, thank you very much success in 2018, Craig. Thank you for joining me this week on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. You know, many people that I work with say they want to improve their lives, but like that old saying is, if you don't know where you're going, then you're probably going to end up someplace else. Well, I'd hate to see you in someplace else. Please join me. I have personal growth classes on Monday and Wednesday nights. It's a class called Life by Design. 
where you can actually design your life to be successful and bring out that great leader that you were designed to be. You're going to add value to your life, and I can help you. Please reach out at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Look for the link in the show notes. I'd love to meet you and help you. Thank you for joining me on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.